Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Finally connected with this guest that we've been chasing for a while. She's represented Canada already eight times on the beach, which includes a ninth-place finish in Cambodia. She played Sajep for the Lynx, and she played her eSports career at Sherbrooke. So please welcome to the show, Sarah Jean Manu Bedard. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi. So thanks for doing this. So usually we follow a nice little timeline. So how about you take us through how you started playing volleyball? Were you into any other sports when you grew up or was volleyball kind of the one for you at an early age? Mm, I think that I played many sports. Like I played played soccer, I made uh, gymnastic, I made dance. Uh, but uh, my father was a player. So when I was young, uh, <laughs> he would like go into tournaments and uh, I really wanted to like to not to be like him, but he, he looked like he had so much fun, so much fun. And whenever he would talk about it, it, it looked very fun. So if we were at the beach or if we were uh, like in a gym, I would really, really like to play volleyball because it, it looked fun. But sure, when you start, it's not always the, um, I would say, the funniest sport because you need like a lot of reps. So I wouldn't be like super patient at first, but then uh, when I got in high school, it, there were like no doubt that I would, would like to start playing. But when I got to high school, the school that I, that I was in was not offering like a, a super like volleyball program. I think there, there wasn't like a, there were not even a team the first year I got there. So I asked a few friends and then um, we made a team. So the first two years, uh, it was not very serious. We had a coach, but basically we were more like training or serving and trying to have a good like spirit. I remember that for every tournament, our coach would buy um, a Timbits box and then we would uh, take it and <laughs> go give it to the refs. And then every, every year we would... Um, uh, win the award for the spirit team so <laughs> so that was not really my goal so I asked my parents that I, if I could change um, high school and then I went in a in a other high school where um, volleyball was a bit more uh, serious and then I started in CGEP University yeah that's that's it were you uh, also playing like rep or club volleyball during this time or was high school the first time it was like it felt more competitive Yes, so I think it's a bit different than in like Ontario. Like uh, I think high school volleyball takes more place uh, in Quebec than in Ontario or the other uh, leagues. But I would say I would have two practice, two practices a week with my uh, high school team, and then one practice a week with my club team. But one year our high school team was also playing um, on the clubster uh, league. So it's, I think it's a bit more competitive, the high school, like the high school um, circuits, is that a word? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the high school circuit in Quebec, I think it's a bit more competitive than, um, than in Ontario, but the club circuit is as well a, a, good, um, a good circuit. circuit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should clarify for the listeners, so I don't speak French very well, if at all, like I can maybe say a phrase, so you're, you're being generous enough to do this in English, but you're a native French speaker, right? Like at home you speak French, like even school, your studies were all in French, right? Yes. I mean, we have a couple English classes, but before I arrived in Toronto, it, I was not uh, speaking English a lot of, like, in my uh, everyday life. So arriving in Toronto was a big, a big challenge for me at first. And look at you now doing an English podcast, so this is great. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm not, I'm not satisfied of my English so far, but you know it will get better in the podcast. <laughs> Awesome. So with you being a native of Quebec, can you just explain for me, so we're based in Ontario, but we do have listeners from all over really North America and, and some international listeners as well. So when we say SAGEP, how would you describe that without really getting into the details? Like that's technically grade 12 and 13, right? Or is that kind of an oversimplification of what it is? Yes, because after what you call a uh, grade 11, we have uh, two or three years of like uh, it's a school between uh, high school and university and then normally it's a two-year um, formation but since um, we want to include sports uh, I would say that people that play volleyball normally do it in three years 
Nice. And what did you choose to study when you went to SAGEF? It's really um, like global studies. Like you can either go like um, human studies or more science. So I started in the science pathway, I would say. And then after one year and a half, I decided to change. And then I went on the like all social science and stuff. So I changed. So I made both of them. Nice, nice. And uh, fans of, of volleyball in Canada will know that the SAGEF schools, they participate in the CCAA. So what was your first experience like when you started playing SAGEF? Did you play mostly in Quebec or did you get to travel to uh, any other provinces to play different teams? I think we traveled a lot. Like at my first year, we went to um, in Dominican Republic and we had like a um, training camp there. But also then we had I think we made nationals every year, and no, at my second year, I think we didn't make it, but we made nationals at my first and third year, and I remember having, like, tournaments around the, the country during, like, Christmas time and, and stuff. Nice, and what do you remember about nationals? Was that a, kind of a different beast with how competitive it was, or... Was it pretty steady with what you were seeing in league play? Because I think there are a lot of competitive teams in the league, right? Yes, I would say that for us, uh, the big challenge that was that most of the players we were playing against were a bit older than we were. So you have a bit less technique, you have a bit less experience. And that was the part that was challenging. Also, I would say that uh, obviously, West always have like players that are a bit more uh, physical, so it's always like a big, a big challenge. I remember at my first year, we we were when we got there, the first team we played had like those very tall girls that would hit very hard, and I was just coming back from high school, had only one year of like working out, and so I think they are a bit like more powerful powerful and like um physical than than we were for you was it was university always going to be the next step like do many athletes stop after sagep and, and start their careers or does everybody tend to go to university afterwards mm, most of the players go to university it always depends like the team i would say that all top teams from sagep all most of the players are going to university but some of them are are stopping or but i would say maybe 75 percent of the players are pursuing to university nice and what made you choose sherbrooke uh obviously the quebec league is very competitive did you consider going to any other schools or was sherbrooke the number one choice for you it was um, a long process when i would when i wanted to decide where i wanted to go when i was in cegep i was with i didn't feel that i had like um yeah, I didn't feel that I belonged to the team. Like, I uh, didn't get... The girls were not like me, but I, I felt that I was different. So I was looking for a team that I would feel that I was in the group and that I would fit with the values. So I really watched university games uh, the year that I was making my choice. And I found that Sherbrooke, they were not like the tallest girl, but they really looked like uh, fighters. So this is uh, that turned me really on. Like when I was uh, when I was seeing them play, they would like really um, yell very loud. They would like uh, chase every ball, go on the floor, and that's what I was looking for. So uh, I, when I speak to to the coach, uh, he, I was really interested about going there. Awesome. And what was the jump like going from the, the level of SAGEP to university? Because I think on our show a lot, we talk about Canada West and some OUA with U of T and Ryerson being very competitive the last few years. But I think overall, the Quebec League might be one of the more competitive from top to bottom. It seems like every team has a chance to win, obviously, with a few competitive teams consistently. But how did you find the level with the RSEQ as far as making the jump from SAGEP to U Sports? It was really interesting because you... In CGEP, some teams were very good and other teams were not really at the same level. So you you were not, that's, that looks a bit uh, lazy to say, but in CGEP, you wouldn't have to to play your best game every time. But it, uh, in university, it was so tight that 
when we got there, when I got there, we had to fight for every point, every set and every game. So that's really, that's the thing that um, really surprised me when I made the, the jump. <laughs> and was there any team that you really enjoyed playing against, whether they were a rival or you always knew they were going to be a good team? Like who was really strong in your years? Was it like Laval, McGill? Like who was another top team that you would battle with? I think Ottawa made uh, the change for our league at my second year, and they were always super um, intense. So I, I remember that I really liked to play against them because they would like hit uh, the, all the balls. They they were really intense. So that's that's one team I really like to play, and Mont Montreal as well because they are very uh, physical. But I remember being a bit. Uh, intimidated by this team because uh, most of them were my ex-teammate and they were very tall very good hitters so it was it was always a big um, mental challenge to play against Montreal so yeah and this whole time when you were growing up were you also playing beach or when did you start to kind of gravitate a little bit more to the beach game I started the beach really late because it was not super popular back in the days. In my head, when I would start beach volleyball, it, it was because I wouldn't be good enough in, at indoor volleyball. So that's what was the culture of, around beach volleyball uh, when I was young. So I started, uh, I think I made my first like tournaments with my best friend um, in high school, but I didn't, I had fun because it was with my best friend. But I was not really enjoying the game because I found that there, <laughs> there was not a lot of action. Like for me, I would, I would, uh, my ball control was not the best, so I would be, I was not super good, so I didn't enjoy it at first. But when I was in Cegep, uh, I would say my second year, I had a rough indoor year, and I had to change my ideas, so. Uh, I went to the um, provincial trials for the, um, the Quebec team. And then I met uh, Annie and Vincent, and I really liked them. So I, I would say that it's at this moment that I, I start enjoying beach volleyball. Nice. And was indoor ever an option for you, or you just fell in love with beach? Because I'm just thinking, like, was Marie-Alex Boulanger at Montreal when you were there? And obviously Kim on your team is with our national team now. Uh, I think Caroline LeMay might have been in Ottawa, and she's playing pro in Austria now. So it sounds like you were around a lot of good players, but was Beach just the one you wanted to take to the next level? When I was younger and in Cegep, and even when I started university, in my head it was indoor first, then Beach was second. So if I could go um, uh, further in indoor volleyball, I would be like really proud and that's, that was my first goal. But then starting beach, uh, I saw the opportunity of like go and play internationals. I was I, I felt it was it was more fast. Like you could have opportunities super fast at beach volleyball, and that really interests me. And uh, talking to Vince and Annie that were like just out of that process, that was that looked more reachable for me. So. Um, slowly, the the indoor volleyball took a less took less place in my heart, and then it was it was all beach volleyball. Now, did, were you familiar with Annie and Vince's background, and, and obviously them going to the Olympics? Like, were you a little bit not intimidated, maybe starstruck about them, or were you so new to beach that you you weren't really aware of what Annie had accomplished? <laughs> I was very new in beach, so she was talking about it, but you're you're impressed you're like wow she went to olympics she's she's really a big deal and when but she's not when they talk about it it not that it it doesn't look easy but it looks so fun and it looks like a a nice process so it doesn't look like a big thing it just look looks like she was there she had to do it she made it they had fun it was not always easy but they worked really hard but when they talk about it it looks so i don't know it looks it looks like it was a game for them so they they it's not intimidating you just want to be part of what they they i don't know how to say you want to be part of their culture because 
they are saying that it's really a nice uh, adventure. So it's it's not intimidating. It's fascinating, I would say. Oh, nice. That's well said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so take us through maybe your first training camp or your first time with that group, right? So are what Vince and Annie are running, is that through the provincial team? Are they their own club? Like, how do you get into this program that seems to be turning a lot of athletes into uh, international players for Canada? Mm-hmm. Um, so they are not there since um, a long time. They are really um, inclusive. So uh, at every year um, around May, they have their, their trials and they just... They just do their Annie and race hunting. They sell the beach volleyball like like you would like. I, they they're just good to say that that's the it's a very beautiful sport. So they talk about how um, they see it, how you are you are a bit self empowered in in your progression and in your process. And I think uh, that's what is interesting for most of the players because when you play club, when you play for university or for, for CGEP, you have a coach and you are not, you don't have any choice. You you come to the training, you do it, you go to that competition and you have to do this uh, activity to collect money for the team. But when you play beach volleyball, they really sell it like you are your own manager and you have to to work on yourself uh, if you want to become a good beach volleyball player. So since it's at the time where you're about to be, um, you're starting from, um, when you start with Vincent, you are still a teenager, but going through their program, you are, you're becoming an adult. Like you have to to learn how how to train well, how to eat well, how to manage uh, your sleep, manage your studies. So you're learning how to grow in in beach volleyball. So I think that's the reason why so many athletes uh, year after year are um, subscribing to the to the trials, and we have good results through the year. So and so that's good. People want to want to go and 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 be part of that awesome so you just covered a a lot of things that they're doing really well can you give us any examples of what that looks like like maybe what a typical summer looks like for you like are they are they doing clinics or seminars or how are they covering all the little details you just covered because it's one thing to to go to practice and get a lot of context on the ball but when they're talking about how to how to travel what to eat how to sleep properly like how are they teaching these lessons to all the young athletes they're working with Yes, so the program changed since I was there. It changed a bit. Like the first year, I think we had to be there only one week, and then and we had to prove that we were going to tournaments. But that was the very first year. But then uh, year after year, it got bigger. So it would be like four weeks for the older, and then eight weeks in the summer for the the younger. And every week you would train. You would have two training. Um, on Monday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday, and Friday, and on Wednesday you you would have like a seminar on mostly it it was about uh, nutrition, it was about game management, uh, a lot of like um, how you manage your um, inner talk in a, in a game with practices. So every week you would have. Uh, a lot of training, but also uh, every week you would have a lot of volleyball training, but you would also have a lot of mental training because that's when they train, they always want to be like very balanced. So they want you to go on the court and feel balanced. You don't want to be like too emotionally. You don't want to be too, uh, you want to have the good nutrition. You want to be, you want to, when uh, you want to go on the court. You want to be very balanced in every aspect of your life. So they are they they have a global approach approach for that. Awesome. And what have you found worked best for you? And if you can't pick one, just tell us about all of them. But what were some little things that you applied that worked pretty pretty quickly, like almost instantly? Was it the self talk, the mental thing? Where did you fix your nutrition? Like, what were some little things as a young athlete that really made an impact? Um, so I changed a lot of things in my nutrition um, the first year I was there and would feel like very, very much more energetic after that. One thing that 
I would I would always remember is one of their talk um, about your um, self border. So uh, in a game, you you can sometimes you can when you have you have to manage your um, partnership and you have to I don't know if border is a good word for that, but you have to put like when you are in your partnership, there's like you have to have um, a frontier. So it's like um, something that blocks the all the negative vibes. So you have to to be there and conscious, be conscient of the, um, the things that turns you on when you play and also the thing that turns you down and all the things that are turning you down they are stopped by your frontier so it's like a shield so when you play in your relationship in your partnership you have your own shield and you let pass the good vibes through your shield and the bad vibes you just let them go and then you you can Obviously, after the game, you can manage those things. But during the game, it's really important to have your own shield that protects you for from the bad vibes. And but let's let's go the let's go in the the good vibes. Nice. So it sounds like coming through this program, and you mentioned one of your goals was it, it seemed like the the fastest way for you to represent Canada by being a part of that program. When did you make the decision to either? come to a national team tryout or go to a Norseka trial? Like at what time did you feel like you were ready? Or is that part of what Vince and Annie are doing so well as they just expose you to these opportunities as young as possible? At first, I didn't feel that I was ready to come to the, to the national team trials. But the way they approach it, they were like, well, you go there, you try, but and then after you have you have a picture of what you have to do to get there, but also that's the way you're gonna be, um, like, at least they're gonna, if you do well, uh, maybe you will have a place on the team, but if you don't do well, at least they're gonna know your, your name and you can get better through the year. So when I first got there, I didn't know that I would be uh, selected, so I was very surprised. But from what they say, that's just, that's just um, the process. So you go to, you do the Quebec team and then that's the next step. And that's that's what's fun with the um, affiliated program. It's even if you're not ready yet to be on the national team, you have opportunities to go train with them. So you, it's easier to, to train with the best and then you're ready to be part of the best. So yeah, I think they make they they're able to to make us realize that it's more reachable than what we think. Not that it's easy to be on the, the national <laughs> team, but like when you're young, when you you train, it's like I feel like when I was sixteen years old I would be on the national team when I would be like thirty eight. 38 years old like it seems so far from my reality but like four years four years later I was on the team so it's it's just uh it's more close than what we think not reachable because it's hard to get there <laughs> <laughs> well said so th- this will be great because we can hear about your experience so for listeners who don't know what the affiliate program is they they train full-time mostly with Annie and Vince but then in the summer they move and they're they're a division of the national team like you guys are training with the national team here in Toronto where the center is so for you to have to move to a different city find a place to live and all the distractions that come with outside of volleyball but then also training on the court with national team caliber athletes what were some of your first memories about that experience was it a little overwhelming or did you settle in pretty quickly I remember that my first training I was very stressed because it was like the first time that I was officially part of the team and I would train with people that in my head that I was not like at their level so it was very impressive at first just to be there at practice but also I remember that I had a big issue with the language because in French when we say a pass it's a set for when you say a pass for us, it's a set. So the first drill was like a bum pass drill. 
uh, I passed that drill and I was like, how are we going to do a set and then another set? It made just no sense in my head. And then I would l listen to the explanation and I was the first person to do the repetition. And I remember just looking at it and saying, go first, go first. I just have no idea <laughs> what the drill is, but then it was not a big deal. They, they would like, I would just be, uh, I'd, they're looking and then be part of the drill. But that's that's my first memory. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what advice would you give to someone who's a little bit younger and maybe they're a little hesitant to be a part of a program like this? Because Toronto can be pretty intimidating on their own. Maybe they don't want to move or, or incur those expenses. And then uh, the, the volleyball obviously goes in a different direction too, right? So how did you get over the, the lifestyle that allowed you to obviously perform well on the court? For someone younger, I would say that it's not such a big deal because, for example, in Quebec, when we are young, we have to, for the indoor program, for example, we have to move four weeks um, in another city from where we live, and then we full train there. And from what I remember, every summer was like a big volleyball party. Like you would wake up in the morning and then you would go train, uh, you would have a... Um, volleyball training then in the afternoon you would have like a workout session and it was very intense for one month and then when you would got, get home it, you would miss it like two days after you're like i want to do volleyball again but when you move there in toronto that's basically your life <laughs> you wake up in the morning you you have a volleyball training then you have a workout in the afternoon but that's the best deal because you're not there only for a month. You're there for a couple months. So that's, that's really, that's, I think that's just the, the perfect life because you get to do what you love every day. And even if it seems intimidating, like to, to be far from home, I think when, when you love the game, it takes all those small feelings away. And even if sometimes they come back, the love of the game always, always win. So yeah, you don't have to, you have to, to do it. That's the dream. <laughs> nice. And looking at your stats before the show, the very first international tournament you went to was in Norseka and you ended up finishing fourth. So was that like a, a wow moment? You're like, wow, first international tournament, I made the semis, like this is going to be easy. Or what were your first memories from representing Canada the first time? First, I remember our first game that we, I would just freak out and be on the court and be shaking. And I don't remember how, how that game went, but I, it was in Narsica and it was, you know, our Narsica is hard. It's a bit like the organization is not always the best. So it didn't make us feel um, super confident at first because everything would be so... Um, so shaky so that would have made us um shaky but being there uh, game after game uh, some some country are are very good and some other are um, like the players are not are very young or it's like also their their first um international tournament so i remember we had a really good pool for our first tournament we had like one team that was very um that was a very good level and then the two other teams were a bit more uh, easy so that made us confident and then we could progress during the, the tournament and after after that we were like okay fourth for a first tournament is good and we we understood after that that it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be always that easy tournament after tournament Nice. And did you learn anything about traveling either to your first Narsica or a couple FIVBs? Like, is that maybe a challenge that we don't talk about enough with young athletes is just being jet lagged, having to find food, like all the little things that go into competing well? Being far from home since um, university, I would say that if you always been, you have always been in your comfort zone, traveling can seem um, challenging, but I don't know. For me, it was not a big deal because I was used to travel. And sure, it's not the same travel when you go on vacation, but 
you you get to manage the same problems like uh, flight delays, um, food problems, <laughs> and so if you are used to that, it's I don't think it's such a big deal. The biggest deal would be like manage the um, the time delay. I think it's the it's the biggest uh, challenge because you you want to be adapted to be good to perform. So sometimes it's you think you are adapted to the time delay, but you get on the court and then you realize that you're a bit more tired than what you you expected. And because you had such a, a strong foundation through what uh, Vince and Annie were doing with the self-talk and managing your partner and a lot of the mental skills, how did it feel the first time you were in a qualifier? Because again, just looking before the show at some of your stats, going to an Arsika I think is great for young athletes because you're you're guaranteed a few matches and you know you're in the tournament where the, the first time you went to Cambodia, I think you were in the qualifier, right? So what was the feeling of flying across the world to maybe play one game? I remember that when we had our first uh, qualifier, fire we went a week early there were um a tournament in malaysia and then we were about uh, we were able to watch the qualifier at the tournament in malaysia and then we were looking at the other teams and some of them would look so stressed that they didn't had fun like it was it looked that it um, it looked like it was their job and they were not having a good moment so after the tournament and then and I uh, talked and we were like, okay, so we have to go through a qualifier to play our first FIVB event and it's going to be stressful. Uh, we're not going to be at our best and we had to admit ourselves that we will be stressed and sometimes when we are stressed, we do like uh, stupid mistakes. Like we could, sometimes we <laughs> were good to do uh, mistakes that are, so ugly that you want to quit volleyball but <laughs> <laughs> we talked to each other and we, were, and we were like we're going there to have fun and we don't want to finish this game and be like oh we had no fun we're not qualified we are uh, 24 hours uh, flight away from home our life is not very fun right now so we're just gonna be there have fun and accept the fact that it's not gonna be our most beautiful volleyball and our most um yeah so we were we admit ourselves that we wouldn't be at our best and i think that's what made the difference during the match because the other team was as stressed as we were but we were just when we do when we did those stupid mistakes we would just look at ourselves have a smile and would like flush this idea and move on to the next point now, was that helpful that you and Helen were such good friends before? Like, were these conversations happening in formal meetings, or would you guys just be kind of making dinner that night and just having a conversation? Like, how how planned were some of these conversations, or did they just become natural because you guys were, my understanding was roommates, but also, like, very good friends, right? Yes, but uh, actually, and I, and I, we were not friends bef like before uh, playing beach volleyball uh, together. We were, I didn't know her, and she didn't know me. So uh, when uh, she was in Toronto before uh, I was there, and then we talked, and she was like, well, you could come try, and uh, if you're on the team, you could come at my place, and uh, there's a room for you and, and stuff. And I think that being there in Toronto with someone that is from my country and also sharing the same values that I had was uh, helpful, helpful for our partnership. So... I don't remember what was the question. <laughs> no, no, I was just wondering, like, was that like a, a sit down and we're going to have a meeting about goals and stuff, or if it just happened like a natural conversation? And it, it sounds like it might have been a little bit of both, where you were you were friends, but it was still a very professional relationship where you're going to be competitive, and, and volleyball was something you were taking seriously, obviously, because you moved away from home to pursue it, right? Yes, I, I think sometimes uh, it would be very natural, and we would like just talk about some things that we had had fun at practice or an idea for like a new defensive play or but sometimes we had to really say okay we need to talk about this because obviously something was was not going well but since we were like living together sometimes I think uh, we couldn't run, run away from like the problems of our team we had to to be there sit you talk about it you resolve it and then you go back on the court. 
Now, do you think that mindset helped at your, your first tournament? Because sometimes you'll see in beach volleyball, a team qualifies, and it almost seems like they're so happy they qualified that they don't perform well in the main draw, and they, they lose two straight, and they, they get eliminated, where you guys qualified, and you actually won your pool at your first tournament. So was that because you guys were there to, to have fun and compete and perform and do all the things you were doing in practice? Or how did that tournament feel? Uh, I think that having this talk about, like, not playing our best volleyball at our first FIVB uh, event and uh, made the tournament really fun. Because when you start, you you don't, like, you cannot expect being at your best. You would like to be at your best. You would like to go and win the tournament, but that's not always what's happening. So having this um, conversation at first and that, not that we didn't have any goals for this tournament, but we didn't have any um, like um, rank goal. We had like um, we wanted to go there to grab the experience and see what what was the things that we had to work on. So since we didn't have any, since we didn't put any pressure on the result, I think that made the tournament very. Um, easy um, mentally and then everything um, we didn't expect we didn't expect that we were playing like <laughs> what we first said is we're not gonna play our best volleyball but not having the expectation of playing our best volleyball we actually end up playing our best volleyball at that time awesome yeah thank you for sharing all these details i'm just curious if you could share with us I think it's it's great that you're sharing your mindset and you qualify and you take a ninth and that was a great performance for you guys early on in your career. How does the, the conversation change or maybe the mood change when, say, you're at a three-star and you don't qualify or you get eliminated in pool? Like, How do you guys respond when things aren't going as well? We had some issues with um, not qualifying and not uh, winning games. Because since we were good friends and also uh, teammates, sometimes it, it made it um, even harder because you're not only like um, disappointing your teammate, you're also disappointing your your uh, friend. So uh, I think we had we needed a longer time, like just to feel the defeat and everything that was coming with it but then we would always have like good talks after that that um like uh, what we how we felt um what sometimes your partner says things that you don't really like and turns you down during a game even if you have your shield <laughs> sometimes <laughs> bad vibes goes <laughs> through the shield so you have to you have to talk about it so even if sometimes the disappointment was bigger because you disappoint your friend, I think the thought that was uh, that was uh, there after the the loss was always um, it was always constructive because you still you wanted to be um, you, you you owe respect to your friend and to your teammates, so it was always constructive and positive. So yeah. Awesome. And just to just skip ahead through your career, you had made the, the tough decision, I'm sure, to leave the national team. So you were funded and you lived in Toronto year-round and trained. You made the decision to go back home. Uh, obviously, your studies were a big part of that, but you still had the opportunity to, to train. So what kind of led to that decision where you chose that, you know what, I, I want to finish my university, but I also have an opportunity to train back home? Like, was it a struggle to kind of say, okay, I'm leaving the national team and I'm not going to be training with the national team level athletes or was just the thought of going home a little bit more comforting? I would say that it was because when you start and you, you go on tournaments and then it's like the, the, the vibe is like super positive at first and uh, you qualify, you have a good first uh, result and then everything is very... Um, positive and motivating and then you try to register to tournaments that are a bit harder and when you lose you I think that I w when I was losing I was like reali realizing that I had a lot of things um, at home that were missing me and school was a big part of that because 
uh, I was always thinking, okay, if I just end up always <laughs> losing, which is not a very like good way to see things, but if I just lose and lose and lose and lose, and then I wake up in like 10 years and I didn't have a very big career and I didn't have as much fun as what I, I expect. I have no like degree, so I, I need to, to go back to school and do like a still two, three years of um, formation. And I'm gonna be like 30 years. So do I wanna go back at school at 30 years and then start a new part of my life? That's, for me, that was too, that was always in my mind. So it was clear that if I wanted to go back on the national team, school, I wanted to finish my school. So that was very a priority and like it's still in my goals to like, I still have one year of school, but after that, I still wanna be part of the program. And I feel that since all my life is going to be uh, more balanced. I'm going to feel more uh, confident in in my process, and that's that's also the um, what Annie and Vince taught me. Because like you want to go out of your comfort zone, but that all that when you when we speak about comfort zone, that that means that you have to know what is your comfort zone. So if even home, having not a degree, having not uh, like other goals than uh, volleyball goals, I was not um, like I was like too. It was too much stress for me around volleyball. Volleyball was not a stress, but everything that was around was uh, stress. So for me, it was. Um, it was like um, important to find my comfort zone so I could go out of it after that. Nice. Thank you again for, for all the details. I think it's funny that you mentioned you had to define what comfort zone is. I was just listening to another podcast and a football player was mentioning he doesn't know what accountability is. He just knows that he's not accountable because that's all his coaches keep telling him, right? So I think <laughs> sometimes as athletes, we use these buzzwords that are popular, but we never actually define what they are. And that's kind of cool that you actually sat down and said, like, what is my comfort zone and what's going to help me the most? So. Looking at making the move back to Quebec, though, I think there was a lot of positives, right? Uh, I don't want to say, you know, this province has the best adult tour because I think there's so many good things happening across Canada. But one of the good things happening is what Quebec's doing and the amount of adult tournaments they have with prize money. So was that something that was a benefit that when you are home in Quebec that you can play for money almost every weekend? Yes, sure. So I was not uh, knowing that I was leaving Toronto. I was very... Um... I didn't feel like um, I had nothing going back home because we still, I still have uh, Annie and uh, Raisa, but also the tournaments are getting like bigger and uh, I would say uh, at a higher level year after year. So uh, that was not uh, only negative, like uh, leaving Toronto. You're right. So can you describe what uh, Quebec is doing so well? So I was lucky enough to work for the OVA for a lot of years actually and run the OVA beach tour and it, uh, if not all the tournaments, if they're not run by the OVA directly, they're, they're sanctioned and they work with partners in the community where it sounds like in Quebec, a lot of the adult tournaments are run by promoters, which are, would be your father, I think, is a big part of that as well. But there's also different communities that offer up the prize money. So in your own words, can you just describe how the Quebec Tour works and how many how many prize money tournaments you could play in in the summer? Yeah, so um, there are, um, let me count, so... Le Saint-Marie, le Chargé Celtic, le Grand Prix Gaspésien, puis après ça, puis Open de Bouchard. So I think there are, from my count, there's like six good tournaments in the year. And the way it's working, it's um, it's like a partnership with Variable Québec, but uh, it's a partnership partnership between promoters and Variable Québec. So uh, at every year, uh, every year um, the promoters are, um, that's actually a hard word to say promoters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the promoters are uh, meeting the Verba uh, Quebec and everyone is together and then um, they are doing the calendar first. So the first tournament is, it's in a sport event. It's not only volleyball, there's like uh, run, I think, and... Uh, frisbee, football, there's a lot of things happening there. So that's the first tournament. And then you have the Challenger Celtic that is new from last year that is happening in Montreal. And then you have 
the Grand Prix, which is the tournament of my father. That is, um, I think it's the first week of July. Then you also have L'Open uh, de Boucherville, the tournament that is uh, close to um, my father's home. And then you have uh, Provincial that is getting uh, bigger year after year. And also at the end of the season, you, we have a new tournament with the big money prize that is Eastern Quebec. So, um, yeah, so every promoter um, like affiliates with they, they organize the, their own tournaments, so they are sanctioned by What About Quebec, but they, I think they can do basically what they want with the tournament. So that's their job to find the funding and find the, whatever whatever they want to put in the, the event. But year after year, the promoters have made very good efforts, so we were start, starting to have very good prize money. And because we have big players that are coming from Ontario, and obviously we we hope we will have other players from the other province, but uh, because of that, uh, promoters are getting like more motivated and tournaments are getting bigger year after year. And in your own words, how would you describe why so many teams are playing? So I think in Ontario, sometimes it's a challenge where if, if the national team players are going to be there, well then weekend warriors who don't train full time it's not a good experience to play in those tournaments because it's just not that competitive how have you found that like students or university players uh say jet players still want to play even though there might be some national team athletes at the same tournament first we had to make people believe that beach ball ball is fun because at first <laughs> like first year university players didn't want it to come they were like what beach ball ball is like I can go to the park with my friends, have a couple beers, and that's going to be it. But when they realized that they could have actually a pretty uh, good amount of money, I think some of them started to train more seriously and they were a bit more attracted by beach volleyball. But also all the players that were already in beach volleyball, they made a very good job like telling people that they, they had to come, that maybe they're they will lose at first, but there's a lot of tournament in the year because, you know, if there's only one tournament in a year that you can uh, win a big amount of money, you're not going to train like uh, three months for one tournament. But if you know that there's a circuit and you have like seven tournaments and you can play against good team, you have to go through qualifiers and there's also... Uh, music it's like a nice ambiance i don't know if you have a word there. i think we'll follow that one that's a good one that one transfers pretty well yes nice. <laughs> so uh, ambiance that made people wanted to come and uh, just talking out loud about it that made people like it was a very it was a teamwork like promoters had to talk about it players had to talk about it what about quebec made a very good job as well and I remember when I started playing beach volleyball, all the like old players, not old players, they are not that old, but they were saying like, oh, volleyball Quebec is bad. Uh, we used to have a nice, uh, we used to have nice tournaments with a lot of people watching and a lot of people are really impressed uh, and you could win a lot of money. And then I, I would go to tournaments at my first year and my mom and my dad would be, will be there and I would win a, uh, a pizza at the end of the tournament <laughs> and I was like okay that's not that's not what people were talking to me like when they were speaking about uh, beach volleyball that's what that's not what I was uh, expecting but then uh, volleyball Quebec had um, a fresh air um, like the uh, with Vincent and Annie and then promoters so everyone worked pretty hard and we were starting to collect a bit of success uh, these last years. I just thought of this now. I, I didn't include it in our earlier questions. Are you old enough to remember the Jeep Open that happened in Quebec City on the FWB tour? It was in 2010, right? Yeah. Were you oh. into beach volleyball at that time? No, no. So I know there were a tournament, but for me, it was not a, a big deal. And I'm so mad at myself because everyone that talks about it says that it was like really impressive and that he would have like, Nice volleyball there, but yeah, was not into volleyball at that time. Yeah, and even before that, I, I never got to attend, but a lot of people who speak well of, of the old Labatt tour mentioned that uh, Rapontney used to be one of the favorite stops. So it sounds like Quebec loves beach volleyball. It just needs to be 
promoted properly and kind of delivered well. And it sounds like that's what everybody's doing right now is just being on the same team and kind of speaking well about the sport and trying to grow it. So sounds like maybe we're not too far away from some of these special events that people look back on in Quebec. Yeah, you're right. I think people in Quebec really loves volleyball, but they forgot during a, a couple of years that they were liking it. So that made people talking, when people were talking about it, it was not always super positive, but like this fresh air, this new movement makes uh, the love come back. Now, I'm sure our listeners can tell by now you're a very positive person, and if they ever get to meet you, you always have a smile on your face. You're very outgoing. But one thing I wanted to discuss with you, and hopefully you have some tips for our listeners who might be going through this, is you just you just came back from a pretty well, a, a very serious knee injury. So I'm wondering how did that affect uh, your, your training and your attitude? And obviously, you're still rehabbing and coming back. Was that kind of a, a, a shocking thing when it happened because you've been so active your whole life that all of a sudden you're, you're told you can't do anything you're on crutches waiting for surgery like how did that affect you when you first got injured i would say that at, it was it has been ups and down at first when it happened i didn't want to believe it and i when i, I started to believe it i was not realizing it so i i was about to start another uh, indoor year and it was at the preseason tournament and I was pretty hyped about going back to indoor so when it happened I think it was a good time for it to happen because I was in like the university uh, the Varian has a very good like program to help me go through my rehab and yeah it was not always easy at first since I, my life has been pretty much about volleyball now, <laughs> I was not able, able to play volleyball for like six, eight months. And still, uh, this happened in September and I haven't mm, played volleyball yet, otherwise than like pepper a bit. But yeah, so at first, I think it was a shock because I was losing what I said that was the biggest part of my personality. But I was pretty busy, like I would work a lot. People <laughs> that know me well, like they know that I was like waking up super early and going to bed super late because I would study, I would train, I would uh, go to work. So I had a lot of things in my schedule and I think I was getting tired and tired, but I was not like realizing it because I was just always, uh, I wanted to go faster and faster and uh, days were going by and I didn't realize I was tired. So when it happened, I, obviously I wanted to turn it into positive. So I was like, okay, it's been a couple months now that I haven't stopped and that I haven't take, uh, took the time to relax and take the time to breathe so when it happened i was like okay life is i'm not a, i'm not a, like i don't believe in a, in god and all those things but i think that uh life was sending me the message that i had to stop a bit if i wanted to not survive but if i wanted to have a healthier lifestyle so uh, that's the that's the way I turn it into positive because uh, I just started to take the time to do the things the right way and um, and in a healthy way. Wow, so positive all the time. Even when you wreck <laughs> your knee, you're you're still finding a way to be positive. This yeah, is... but now it's like eight months later. It's it looks positive, but uh, during the process, it was not always. But I think that what made the difference is that I was very well surrounded. So uh, my parents, my boyfriend, uh, my teammates, um, the the my personal trainer, and also the all the the therapists. They really helped me well, and they were they would listen to me if I would if I would be a bit more grumpy and I think that's that's what makes the difference in the rehab if you have good people around you you would stay on the good side of the force but if you don't have good uh, good people around you you have to you have to find those little uh, amount of light to to stay on the good way 
Awesome. Awesome. I'm just looking at the time. We've taken a, a big chunk of your day here. You're obviously welcome to come back anytime. But uh, one tradition we're trying to start is just a, a funny story. So our listeners have learned that uh, at a very young age, you've already represented Canada eight times. You've got some results. You, you've played at Sage Up and U Sports. But even though you've played at such a high level, some funny or odd stuff still happens. So I was hoping you could tell a funny story before we let you go. Yeah, so um, I remember when we were at our first uh, Norsica, Ellen and I, it was in um, Jamaica. So, and people were pretty like chill. So, uh, the first game we were supposed to play was at nine, and we end up we ended up playing it at eleven fifteen because when we got there at eight to do the things well and prepare and warm up. The courts were not even set up, so we <laughs> wait for a long time. And then I think our first game was scheduled at nine, so we played two hours and a half later. And then the game after was like at one. So I looked at Elan and I said, "There's no way we're gonna play our second game at one. We played the first one like two hours later, so we were not super like." Obviously, the food is always like a big thing when you go compete, and the lunch times were in very close hours. So we decided to go at the um, at the lunch, thinking we had like we would play like our second game at three instead of at one, and then we would have this big meal just to be sure that we would not like lack energy. So we eat like I think the um, the meal was like jerk chicken, big rice, a lot of sauce, and I remember feeling a bit uh, swollen after the <laughs> after the lunch. <laughs> and then the the tournament was just beside where we where we would sleep. So I, I, I remember just looking at Elena and say, oh, I'm just gonna look at our court, like what game is happening right now because it was one o'clock. So in my head we were not playing the game at one. So Elan is like, okay. And then I go to the court and the team that we were supposed to play against is warming warming up. Like they are hitting the 10 minutes starting. And I just look at it and I say, Elan, we are playing in like less than 10 minutes. The team is there. So we were like super swollen. We just had time to run to our bedroom, put water in our um, water bottle and then we had like one minute to pepper and then we had to start our second international game. I was not very proud of it. I was, we started the game and we were like, Oh my God, we're so bad at this. We had one job, like be there at our first at our game and do the things right. And then we, we lost the first set because we were obviously like, we just, we just ate. So we were not like ready to perform, but then we were lucky and then not lucky, but we, we manage ourselves, and then we won the second and the third set. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not even consistent. It's just like you don't know what you're getting. It could be two hours late. It could be right on time. The court might not be set up. Like, you just don't know what you're getting at these Narcicas. Even today, I don't I don't understand how we played that game and won. Like, it's still, it's still, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great. As much as we make fun of Norsecas on the show, I don't think you can be like a true Canadian beach volleyball player until you've been to one because it seems like everybody comes back with a, a Norsica story when they finally go to their first one. Yeah, I think they're like last Norsica, I mean, like they were t- talking about like a hashtag, like hashtag Norsica normal. So whatever would <laughs> strange would happen, they would say hashtag Norsica normal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did the other countries freak out or they just handle it a little bit more calm because they're just used to it? Where in Canada, like the schedule's the schedule, even if you're playing, I don't know, 12 of you, like your game starts on time, right? Yeah, uh, I think everyone finds it like a bit sketchy, but <laughs> it's it's just like Narsica normal. So people are getting used to it and even if you're not used to it, people will tell you before you get it, but... Once you get it, you you understand what is the Narsica normal. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time here. Uh, obviously, if things get back to normal, we're, we're a lighthearted volleyball podcast. We don't really talk about COVID or anything. We just like to, to entertain and keep pumping out content. So hopefully when everything's back, uh, you'll be healthy enough to play. I think the last time I talked to you, maybe August was going to be your return date if we're hopeful. So uh, hopefully we have an opportunity to play this summer and we see you out there. If not, you'll be around for a lot of years, I'm sure. So thanks for taking the time today to tell us about your career and looking forward to what you're going to do next. 
Hey, thanks. And sorry again for the bad English. It was a bit, uh, there was a bit of rust on my English. <laughs> not, not bad at all. And like I said, we couldn't have done this in French. So I'm just glad we could have you on the show one way or another. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. And that's really a nice, that's a really nice show that and it's good to see that people are, are taking care of Vauban. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. So <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks again. And I'll talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later. Right. Thanks, sir.